on this series talking about the, the spirit elements and we're uh, trying to establish some definition, some working definition of the spirit, the Holy Spirit. We understand who he is and, and trying to understand some of the, the things that, that basically compose his role. And, and not just for the purpose of us trying to understand God, because we understand that that's impossible. But because we want to understand some things that are expected of us. And, and, and the more we understand about God, and the more that we can try to get a vague idea of the things that, that God does and the various ways that God does them, the, the more we can understand of, of what is expected of us. And so, so the, the Holy Spirit being in me is the, the understanding of what he does is going to be necessary for us to understand what it means to be spiritual. We use that phrase a lot, and, and we've seen a, a variety of definitions about this word. Uh, and so far, we've looked at three basic elements um, of the spirit that influence all the things that we're going to talk about as we continue uh, throughout the other series for the remainder of the year. Uh, we've seen that the primary role that, that he does is, is life. It, it affects really everything. It affects our quality of life. It affects all, all areas of life. Uh, we, we've seen that he is a being of ideas. And we're going to look at that a little bit more today. Uh, really, as these things aren't, we can't put these things in little boxes. They influence each other. Uh, and, and what he does is, is we, we talked about last week, that more real than, than any of the things that we can perceive and observe in our, our physical world around us. Uh, that, that the things that we think are so important and, and so vital are really temporary in nature. Uh, that, and those, unfortunately, are the things that we often prioritize in our lives, the, the things that, that really have no value. Now, as I said, we have not neatly summarized the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure he does a few things that we're not privy to. Um, but we only have what we need uh, to, to understand uh, what we can. I'm certain that we have uh, just as hard a time, maybe more so, than, than understanding God the Father, or certainly Christ. Christ is kind of fits, and even though we talked about this in 2 Corinthians this morning, Paul says, uh, we don't understand him the way we used to. Uh, he's not in the flesh, and so, so that's kind of the closest, but he's not even like that anymore. So, so, so God is a mystery. Even Christ, who, who came in the flesh, and we can kind of identify with a lot of things, he's not like that anymore. So, so all of this eludes us. I do want to make a slight change from, from what we've done before in the other three. So far, we've, we've been looking at a text uh, in 2 Corinthians, which we said really isn't about the Holy Spirit. It has some of the elements, uh, and we've been, we've been drawing a comparison and, and linking up to those uh, similar uh, ideas in other passages. However, what we're going to do, uh, we're going to extend that text a little bit, and we are going to actually pull in a, a, a definite reference to the Holy Spirit. So, so we were, we've been in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, we're going to start at the beginning uh, or at the end of that and go through the beginning of chapter 5. It says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outward self is wasting away, our inner self is, is being renewed day by day. This light momentary affliction is, prepared for, uh, is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look to the things 
Not that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, and the things that are unseen are eternal. So uh, this is kind of some of the ideas that we've been going through. It says, we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed we, by putting it on, we may not be found to be naked. For while we are still in this tent, we are groaned, we are burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be clothed further, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Now, we're going to talk about the giving of the Spirit. We're not going to talk about the guarantee part of this. That that comes later. That's a part of the spirituality that we're going to to define a little bit later. But, But we want to talk about giving us... Uh, the Spirit. And um, <clears throat> we're going to be talking about the presence of God this morning, the final element, what it means to be, uh, you know, Christ came and, and his, his name was God with us, right? Well, God with us left. And he says, well, I'm going. <laughs> I'm no longer going to be God with you. I have been with you. However, don't worry. I'm not going to leave you like orphans. I'm going to put something in you in my place as I, as I leave. And so, so we have the presence of God. Now, everything I know uh, that is important to me, I learned during Saturday morning cartoons. Some of you are like, what is that? Uh, look it up on YouTube. All right? uh, it's, it's great. Uh, but we are going to look at some prepositions this morning because prepositions are important. Uh, there's a, a comedian... Uh, his name is Dimitri Martin. And uh, he said, you know, I learned something really important at a pool. He says the, that uh, the difference, you know, he said the difference, just prepositions are so important. He's like, I learned the difference between peeing in the pool and peeing into the pool. And uh, he says, location, location, location. Right? <laughs> prepositions are, are important. You got to look at those things. What, what do they mean? And, and Bible prepositions are so important. I'm sorry to do that to you this morning. But um, we've established that the Spirit is not some generic force. We've, just, we've, we've talked about Him being a, a rational being, we, that He is sent to be with us. We know that He's given to us. But how uh, we treat that divine topic is, is incredibly important. We want to look at the details God gives us, not to put God in a box, because we can't do that, but we must worship God in truth. Right? If we don't discern the Scriptures accurately, we have a wrong idea of God. If we have a wrong idea of God, then we have a wrong idea of what is expected of us and, and what He's going to do. It, w- it would be better for us to say, you know what? I don't understand that. I'm just going to not have an opinion on this one. It would, it would be better to be incomplete than inaccurate uh, if we have to choose between the two. So we're going to try to make the statements that we can from Scripture and, and leave what is not ours uh, to figure out some point in the future. How the Spirit is the presence of God varies. 
God is not in a box. And, and God is not limited to doing one thing one way all the time. And, and so to give you an example, just, just a, a biblical example, uh, we talk about children of Abraham. And, and, and they got really hung up on the being children of Abraham. And, and God says, well, they're still children of Abraham. You're children of Abraham. Wait a minute. I'm not a Jew. Yeah, but you're still children of Abraham. God, God, can, God can just determine you're children of Abraham. Not the same way, though. Not genetically. But you're still children of Abraham. The way God wants to do a thing can vary. And that's up to him. And so how God gives us the presence of the Holy Spirit varies throughout time and throughout the Scripture. And we're going to look at those. And, and, and so we're going to look at some prepositions that determine those things. So, so the first question that we're going to ask is, how is he with us? Well, uh, Acts chapter 1-5 says, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And we have this preposition with, and, and, and we understand that we have the presence of the Spirit, right? It, or I should say that the, 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 the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit is, is mentioned here. And so, so the first question we would have to ask is, is, is this talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? We, we know that. Is that how the Holy Spirit is present with me? And, and so a lot of times what happens is that this is confused. This, this verse has a couple of elements uh, that, that people confuse. So they see baptism, right? And we're, we're raised, we're taught about baptism. So the first thing we, we draw is, boom, baptism. That's important. Okay, so, so I have baptism. And we see the presence of the Spirit. And, and, and people, we're going to look at a verse, and, and people connect baptism, Spirit, and, and they connect this baptism of the Holy Spirit with uh, a baptism that, that is what we call or refer to as Christian baptism, which involves a presence of the Spirit, is that the same thing? Well, I want to look at something here that I want, to, want you to notice that the baptism of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit baptism, does not include water. That's what he says right here. He says, John baptized with water. However, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with water. There is no water involved. I mean, this was going to be something separate. Uh, and, and so we're going to look at another preposition here. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 is where this happens. He says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues like fire appeared on, on each of them, uh, appeared to them and rested on each one of them. All right, so again, Schoolhouse Rock, I learned... The, presence, the, the preposition that's important, on, right? That's an important thing. The baptism of the Spirit, and you'll, we'll see this again, we'll con confirm this in just a second, but we have on. That's an important word. And where we see no water is involved in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's important. Uh, let's, let's confirm this. Uh, it says, He will declare to you a message. This is now in Acts 11. This is Peter again. Uh, uh, talking to the people in Jerusalem about going up to Cornelius. Uh, and he says, uh, uh, and, and so this, this is taken from his, he's telling the story in Jerusalem about what he, what he, what happened up in um, uh, Caesarea. So he says, uh, 
or excuse me, Antioch, and he says, uh, he will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, and you and your household. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, water baptism did occur, but it occurred after this, if we read the whole text of Acts chapter 10. And again, we see the Holy Spirit on them. That's important. And another detail that I want to draw here is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was not a universal baptism. Notice he compares it here. He says, the, whole, the Holy Spirit fell on them, the, the people in Antioch, just as us at the beginning. Now, close to a decade has passed between these two events. Seven, seven to ten years. It's not really done. Now, if this was Christian baptism, thousands and thousands of people have been baptized between the day of Pentecost and now. If this was a universal thing, if this was how God deals with everybody, remember, the the point is God does things differently to different people in different ways. If this was the presence of the Holy Spirit that that we get in Christian baptism, which we're going to talk about very, very briefly... Uh, and, and, and shortly, then he wouldn't say something like, well, this happened to them just like it happened to us at the beginning. He would say, this happened to them. Because remember, there's a controversy about whether these people can receive baptism, Christian baptism. And he's like, listen, God gave us evidence. They received the baptism of the Holy Spirit just like, like we did as, a, as an evidence. And he would say, they received it just like everyone receives it, if, if this was talking about Christian baptism. But this is not. So, so let's look at, uh, if it's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit that, that we get as the presence, let us look at Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is... For you and your children and all who are afar off, everyone who our Lord God calls to himself. Now, now there's no prepositions really of, uh, of significance here. Uh, but we do see something that, to begin where we were. That this, whatever this is talking about, is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it is universal. It is given to everybody who receives this. And here, we're going to see is. The Spirit is not the thing baptized in, but it is a thing received in baptism. These distinctions are maybe small, but they are very significant. So, likely, the presence for me is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. that's, That's for one thing. And God did something for a particular reason. And our sermon's not really about that. But the gift of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. And that is something that is universal for me. The importance of in. Let's get to a preposition. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God. And you are not your own. This is the significance. When, when we look at the book of Acts, and we look at 
uh, whether it be chapter 2, the beginning, or, or chapter 10, where the baptism of the Spirit occurs, it occurs on, right? We notice the preposition. But it also comes with a particular thing that happens. The particular thing that happens is they spoke in tongues or, or, or they prophesied. But uh, here, he's going to be in them. He's going to be in them to do something different. Or he's going to be in us to do something different. You remember the story Jesus, Jesus told about the people who... He said, not that it's going to be some surprise people. And uh, they're going to say, oh, Lord... Look at all the amazing things we did. We cast out demons in your name, and we prophesied in your name, and we did all these gifts. We used all these miraculous gifts. Well, those are evidences of the Spirit on a person. But he says, I'm going to tell them what? Sorry. Paraphrasing. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Right? The, the difference is that the Spirit is in me not to do prophecy and, and all those things. That's the Spirit on me, if, if, if I have that. But the Spirit in me, He's going to say, I never knew you. You weren't affected internally. You weren't renewed day by day. You did not become spiritual people. The Spirit on a person, never made a person spiritual is what Jesus told them. It, it affected them. It made them do amazing things. Pretty cool. But it never made people spiritual. The spirit in a person makes him spiritual. So when we talk about the presence of God, I'm not interested in receiving the spirit baptism. I'm interested in receiving the gift that makes man spiritual. And that's what we're talking about. How is he with us? Well, he's in us. That's how he's in us. Uh, uh, that's how he is with us. Excuse me. So that leads us then to this question, why is he in us? Well, we talked about being spiritual. We're going to be a little bit more specific. This is the subject of the remainder of the year. You know, the Holy Spirit is in, isn't in me to you know, kick back and watch TV. He's got more to do than just hang out. We talk a lot about having the Holy Spirit and what that means. But I suppose that what he is doing depends on the way that he's present, like we talked about, right? What he's doing depends on the way he is present. Is he in or on? And when he came upon people, it was just to show a sign for something that he was trying to accomplish. And that's not available to everybody. Because he was just trying to do some particular things for a particular point in time. But there are some things that he wants 
for everybody. And so he gives the Holy Spirit that way, or offers it, to everybody. So let's talk about the Spirit within. Back to Romans chapter 8. Always back to Romans 8 when we're talking about the Spirit. He says, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. I, and I, I like this verse for a couple of reasons. You notice that he equates the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ. Well, if you do that, then you're equating God and Christ. It's a subtle thing, but it's significant. There are people that do not believe that Christ is completely equal. If you have the Spirit of Christ and you have the Spirit of God, and that's the same thing, with the, unless we've got a bunch of spirits running around in us. Like, oh, you know, I have the Spirit of Christ, but I haven't got the Spirit of God yet. You know, they have to be the same thing. So, um, to be spiritual is to please God. That's what the Spirit is in me to do. That, that's the, the general thing. And we're going to look at some ideas about how that happens. We're going to still be kind of talking generally. Again, the specifics are, are going to come as we, we continue on the remainder of the year. So I want to talk about the Spirit within. Looking at Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 through 14. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not just in my presence, but even in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who, is in you, uh, who works in you, both to will and work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. We've probably memorized this verse at camp somewhere or or maybe it's just a, you know, you've highlighted it and you've read it and we've, you, we're familiar. God is in us to will and work for his good pleasure. It makes a nice po- poster and, and various things like that. It just rolls off our tongue. And I, I think sometimes things that are so common like that lose their impact. If we think about this, it's a strange sentence. I mean, part of it is natural. Let, let, let's look at the, the part that is obvious, right? He's there to will and work for his good pleasure. We already talked about that. that that's interesting. Uh, but, but we get it. God's pleasure. And that's what he's in us to do. Now, uh, to work, that also seems obvious to me. To work implies energy. God is, God is putting some effort into me. We understand that. That's, that's simple. He's trying to accomplish something. That's the other thing. Work is there to accomplish something. That's why you work. Get something done. It's effort and it's accomplishment. That makes sense to me. And so spirituality is going to be that first thing. Pleasing God is going to be God working in us to accomplish something. If in my life I'm not accomplishing anything, then 
there seems to be a lack of spirituality because that's what the Spirit is in me to do. Oh, that's the first indication. But the second part of this is, is difficult. God is in me to will. That makes no sense. My natural mind, but we, it rolls off my tongue. But really, that's a weird sentence. I'm going to dig into that one a little bit. I'm writing this, and I'm just rolling through my sermon. I'm like, you know, that is kind of odd. I've never really thought about what that means. I get what it means he's in me to work. But why is God in me? Why is the Spirit in me to will? I'm going to have to sit back and, and think about this one for a little bit. And I was looking through commentaries and I didn't really find much that was like enlightening. Oh, yeah, good, I'm not the only one. <laughs> I thought about what a will is. You know, some of you are in management uh, and, and you're having a meeting, right? In the meeting, all right, we got to get down to work. Okay, work, we understand that. And this, we need this, and da 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 right? Effort and energy and accomplishment. And, and those are in a lot of meetings. But no manager ever came and said, all right, I'm here to will today. Everybody look at them. What does that mean? This is a hard concept. So let's talk about what a will is. What do we talk about the Holy Spirit's identity? Is a plan. A will is a plan. This is my will. This is, this is my design. I'm here to give you a design, a plan. I have some ideas about things. Now, when the Spirit does this, He doesn't come with suggestions. I don't know, but I have some ideas that you might want to consider. That's, a will is a little bit stronger than that. Like, when you come with a plan, and it's a will, it's like, okay, this is how it's going to get done. These aren't options. Make it happen. Right? Work. Accomplish. This is what you're here to accomplish. So, so the Spirit is in us with a plan. Achieving something that pleases God comes through a divine thought. And that's the Spirit's purpose in us, is to give us divine methods. Not natural ones. Not, well, I want you to accomplish this. Right? We, we look at the thing, and there's this idea that, that if God wants to accomplish something, any means by which we do it is okay. No. We can grow the church. Let's, let, let's pass coffee and donuts for communion. No. That would, I'm sure that would attract some people. But it's not a divine method. That's not God's plan. It's not God's idea. The Holy Spirit isn't in us to, to say, you know what, whatever you feel, do it. If the net result is a positive, then, then whatever. That, that's not how it works. It is God's will. And the Spirit is in us to communicate that will. He's inspired a scripture, alternately, where we look to it and read it. But he's in me to try to apply those things that I read. 
So he's in me to will through his plan. And the second thing he's in me to will, well, will sometimes has a negative connotation that we don't like. It implies control. Right? It's my will. Right? We talk about a battle of wills. <laughs> have children, you understand the battle of wills. If you were a child, your parents understand the battle of wills. And God has children. And there's a battle of wills. And the Holy Spirit says, say, I'm going to win this one. We talked in, in 2 Corinthians this morning about how the love of Christ constrains us, how it, how it compels us, and it's just like this limiting thing, and we don't like that limiting thing. We have a strong will. But the Spirit, He's in me. And this is a significant thing. He's in me. He's not on me. He's in me. I don't understand that. I, I can't wrap my head about how that is. I can't even understand how my spirit's in me. I really don't understand that. So, so how a divine spirit's in me, I really don't understand. Now I got, like, my spirit and the Holy Spirit. This is really getting confusing to me. But it says that he's in me. And so he moves in, and guess what? He doesn't like what I've done with the place. He's like, this is not, whoa, this is not my plan. This is not my design. You got shag carpet in here. Got to throw it out. <laughs> like you move into a house and it's like, what in the world were these people thinking? What's with the wallpaper? Like we, we move in and, and it's like, ah. When did they put this in? This is awful. You got all, you know, all of this and ah. Uh. The gold speckled for mica counters. No, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. We just gut the whole place. That's what the Holy Spirit comes in and does. He says, "I have a will. I'm going to control things now. I'm going to do some rearranging. That couch has got to go. Right? This 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 stuff has to move. I don't like it. It doesn't please God. I'm speaking metaphorically, and you get it. It's kind of humorous. But we have." Ideas that we thought were great to have. This was my will. I wanted this behavior. I wanted this choice. I, I made this priority. God says, that does not make me happy. This behavior has to change. He's in us to take control, to establish His will, and that's spirituality. As we yield control in order to please God, that spirituality is general. We're not talking about the specifics yet. And that's where I'm going to leave you. Why is he in you? I don't know. He might be in you for a different reason, likely, than me. Oh, he's in us. With the general idea, yes, to please God, but really why he's in you and why is in me? It all depends on what lane we're traveling in. Well, what he wants to get done in me, I might have something going all right. And I was like, all right, he doesn't really need to touch that. Over here, we've got some work to do. And it might be different in you. We're all individual. 
One idea, yes. To please God. That's spirituality. Through his plan. Through his control. But where am I at? I can't tell you where you're at. That's why some of these things have to be general. That's why why we, we need that spirit in me. I have one scripture, and it says the same things that yours says. But it's going to produce a little bit differently depending on who's reading it, because the Bible calls it what? It calls it a mirror. Well, your mirror gives you a different picture than my mirror. Isn't that amazing? Same mirror. It's a different picture. Different things to fix. One scripture. And so, so we leave and God says, it's up to you to address what your mirror says. What it says about you. My job is to, to fix what mine says. And you know what's interesting is, and we'll leave you with this, is, is as, as we fix those things, right? the Spirit is in me. It's the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of Christ. As I fix those things in me, I'm going to look more like Christ. Because I got the Spirit of Christ in me. As I fix the things that I need, and you fix the things that you need, you're going to look more like Christ. I'm going to look more like Christ. You know the net result? We're going to look a lot more like each other. Each of our houses are going to start looking more and more like what the Spirit wants us to be. I won't ever reach that here. The Bible talks about moving towards that upward goal of looking like Christ that each of us have and each of us leave these doors with this morning. Let's stand and sing together. Yeah, one more song. What's the song? I turned on the podium.